0: Welcome to the Single Greatest Choice podcast, where single women find support, empowerment, information, and inspiration around the topics of singleness, fertility, motherhood, and mindset. I'm your host, Katie B., and I'm thrilled to be back to share more stories of women like you and me who are navigating these choices, along with interviews with experts in the fields of fertility preservation, coaching, and psychology. Whether you're just starting to question what to do about your finite fertility or whether you're ready to make the leap into solo motherhood by choice, I hope these conversations will help you to feel more supported and confident along the way. Because whatever you decide to do with these years could be the single greatest choice you'll ever make. And you don't have to make it alone. Today I am talking with Liz and Liz is somebody that I just feel so fortunate to have met along the way in my own single mother by choice journey. We connected, I believe I was pregnant when we first met and I was doing one-on-one coaching and Liz was one of my clients prior to the birth of my son. And so it was COVID, we were home and I just really count her as one of those special friends that kind of weathered. The pandemic with me and was just a part of a really special part of my own journey and through coaching i got to be a special part of hers as well so today you'll hear us talk about the coaching and about her story and i did want to let you know that if you're interested in one-on-one coaching it's not something that i do very often anymore frankly, it's just tough to schedule that kind of time. I really focus on groups so that I can maximize the reach to as many women as possible. But coming up in March, March 13th through 17th, I'm going to be opening up some one-on-one spots, just standalone one hour coaching sessions. That's something I've never done before, but I'm gonna have some daytime hours available and I'm just gonna experiment and see how this goes. So if you have a particular issue that you are interested in being coached on, you could sign up for just one session. We can see how it goes. We may be able to fit more than one in in that week if that's something that you're interested in. But if you're interested in exploring a little bit more about the coaching world and just how it works to apply the strategies to the thoughts that you're having around your own single mother by choice journey, I would be so thrilled to work with you. So more information coming soon. Follow me on Instagram and check out my website, www.singlegreatestchoice.com for more information on that. And without further ado, here is Liz. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the podcast. Hello there. I'm so glad to have you. It's a really fun excuse to catch up with an old friend. So glad to see your face this morning.
1: Yeah, I'm excited that when I got your email, I was so excited to even be considered for this. Excited to share and also catch up.
0: Yes, you are one of those clients from the past that I feel like I learned at least as much from you, as I hope you did from me. I just really enjoyed our conversations. And it was still kind of in the midst of COVID and pregnancy for me. I think, was I pregnant? Yeah. I was pregnant. Yeah. Okay. We were
1: pregnant. Okay. Yeah. We finished up as you were going to go on maternity leave.
0: Okay. All right. So let's just start from the beginning. Whatever you want to share about just kind of life pre solo motherhood, pre like considering this path and kind of what got you to the point where you were thinking along these lines.
1: Yeah. So I have always wanted to be a mom. I think I went through a phase in my 30s where I was like, do I really want to? Do I not? I don't know. And I was dating and just didn't find that partner. Um, It's that, that classic story that you hear so much about when you get into this world. And so I started by freezing my eggs. And I was like, well, at least I'll just buy some more time. And so I did one round of egg freezing. And I think I was... 38 at that time then I kind of just sat on that and then I went back to the doctor and was like well what do you think I think we got six eggs at that point and she was like well I don't know anything you know the, the best way to know is to make embryos I think that was right at the time I started talking to you I was not committed yet to making embryos and choosing a donor and all of that and uh-huh. I was really kind of hung up on the donor situation I like had a huge complex with will my daughter hate me basically, if I don't give her that side of her family history and and all of that. So I kind of just sat on it for a while. And then I decided to do another egg retrieval and Mm. finally just bit the bullet and jumped and chose a donor and started making embryos. I had done four egg retrievals, the three latest ones, we did and we created embryos with those. And then my numbers were not super great. So that's why I had to do so many rounds. I think that time after that first egg retrieval, you know, I was approaching 39. And time just goes so fast. And Mm -hmm. I knew that it was now or never. And so I remember, like, thinking about the day that I clicked the button to purchase the sperm. It's like it was such a huge, dramatic decision in my life that yes. I, I couldn't believe I was actually doing it.
0: So, when so, you first started with the the first round of egg freezing, was it even a consideration that potentially these would be eggs you'd use on your own, or were you just trying to preserve for a future partner?
1: I was just trying to preserve for a future yeah. partner. Such and, a common story. Yeah. That's
0: that's how I started as well. I tried to be very careful because I can kind of recognize when I work with different women, the women who are sure that this is what they want to do, but just have some hangups or they're a little bit scared or they're just not, they don't have the confidence in it. But with you, I was like, I'm not sure she's really going to do this. Like you were, I completely remember that stage that you were describing of having some real like ethical concerns, not concerns about, could you do it, but more like, should you do it?
1: I was really deep into doing research on what adult donor conceived people thought about being donor conceived. So I had gone, you know, really deep in different podcasts and different Facebook groups and like reading up on it. And so I was like pretty deep into that. And, you know, like I grew up in a your typical family, two parents, they're still married to this day. My relationship with my dad, I think played a big role in that. Like my dad is great and I have such a great relationship with him. And I couldn't imagine bringing a child into the world and not giving them that. Mm -hmm. And so that was my big hang up, I think, was that I was just really afraid that she was going to be missing out on something and that she potentially was going to be upset with me about it in the future and so I think I started listening to your podcast, and then when I heard you were doing coaching I was like I have to do this because I just I didn't know anyone else who was a single mom by choice and I just really wanted to like kind of see another perspective on it Mm -hmm. because I was so stuck
0: I mean, I had the training as a coach, which is really a very, it's not, it doesn't pertain to a particular topic. Life coach training is really about like a framework for thought and kind of questioning or examining thoughts. But looking back, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that I was coaching you when I all, like I was having a lot of the same questions at the same time. And I think at that point when we were working together, Mm -hmm. I was pregnant. So I clearly had gotten enough over some of the hangups to like, take that huge step of transferring an embryo. But I sat for a long time in a lot of the same questions that you had where my embryos had been created. And I just wasn't sure how I felt about using them because of some of the things that you're saying. And also, I mean, just knowing your background, do you want to share a little bit about like what you do for work? I remember just being like, okay, she really, she's a researcher. Like you were so (laughs) thorough in your like academic examination. And that's why I say, I feel like I learned at least as much from you as I hope you did from me because of the way that you were approaching all of this, just very practically.
1: Yeah. So I'm a behavior analyst and I have a master's in clinical psychology with a specialization in behavior analysis. So I work with um, people that have disabilities, variety of different disabilities, primarily autism I'm a researcher. And so just in general in my life, this is how I approach everything is I like just dig down until I can't dig any further down and and get myself all worked up about it. So yeah, I'm heavy on the research and I'm not, I rarely make any decision without going really deep into the research. So this is just with my course of, I can't actually make any decision unless I know like every perspective and consider every aspect of it. That's where my analytical brain just took off with it. And, um, I became obsessed with it until I figured out what I wanted to do.
0: (laughs) And you've shared a little bit about, I just want to make sure that I, that I'm correct on the story of like how you moved forward logistically or physically. So with the original egg retrieval, did you, are those eggs still frozen or did you use those as well in creating your embryo? No.
1: So when I did that second egg retrieval, I, I, took all of the eggs and created embryos on that second retrieval. Everything was embryos. Then I did a third retrieval and those went straight to embryos. And my doctor was like, okay, you know, I think we're good. And at that point in time, I was like, I absolutely, because of the ethical and all of the stuff that I was so worried about, I was like, I absolutely have to have the option to have a full-blooded sibling for my child. Mm -hmm. Not that I wanted two children, but I wanted my child to have a full-blooded sibling. I think at that point, I had three embryos and one was a mosaic. Mm -hmm. And my doctor was like, you know, I think we're okay. I think, you know, you could move forward. And I was like, absolutely not. We need more. So I did a fourth round and actually got, I think I got 15 eggs on my fourth round and two of them turned into embryos. So I had 5 by the end of my fourth retrieval and that was good for me. I was like, okay, we're not we're done with this. Yes. And then my doctor was like, "Okay, are you ready?" And I was like, "No, no, 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 no. We're going <laughs> to just put these on ice and we're going to like go about our life." And she was like, "You're 40. But, you know, whenever you're ready." And I was like, Okay, fine. Let's just try it. It's not gonna work the first time anyway, so we'll just try it. We'll learn some more about my body and it worked. Wow. Yeah, did you she, do any IUIs did.
0: at all or you, you went straight to IVF?
1: I went straight to IVF. My doctor, like, yeah, we could try it and do a couple. But I was that was part of the whole, like, I definitely want a sibling option. Mm -hmm. So if I had done IUI and gotten pregnant, it would have been potentially too late to get eggs for a sibling after I had a baby. And so I just went straight to IVF.
0: That makes sense. Okay. So that's how you got to the point of becoming a solo mom logistically. Talk to us about the emotional and mental process of how you got to a place of being comfortable with choosing this.
1: Obviously that whole time when I was like researching and obsessing really over whether or not I could make the decision to do it. It was like my entire life. I was completely obsessed with making this decision. Could I do it? Did I really want to do it? I was living in Seattle at the time, had a great life. Friends had a boat and we were out on the boat every weekend, traveling all over the world, had clients in Asia. And so I've been able to travel like all over the world for the last 15 years. So it was like, do I really want to give all of this up on top of the ethical considerations? And so I was just really stuck for quite a while. And in addition to coaching with you, I also had a therapist. And so I was really like just trying to make the decision and really be okay with it. But I never really had the sign that I was doing the right thing. And I was really trying to get that. So that was really hard. I just thought I was jumping off a cliff the Mm -hmm. whole time, in hopes that eventually, I would have that connection. I think I said to my therapist, every session, you know, I hope that like, when she's born, I'll just look at her and I'll be like, yes, of course. And that did happen like she was born and I looked at her and I was like oh I know you like of course it's you that was my initial reaction
0: (laughs) yeah Um, but
1: it didn't that didn't happen until I actually saw her I think I spent like two and a half years just really in turmoil over could I do it or not and then finally you know it was really like buying the sperm and creating that first set of embryos that felt like I had kind of made it over the hurdle, Mm -hmm. but it was a decision that I was just like, you're either going to do it or you're not. And I was just like, click the button, just do it. I don't feel like I was ready to do it when I did it. And I think there are other big decisions in my life that I'm like, you know what, just jump off the cliff, Mm -hmm. just jump off the cliff. (laughs) You've suffered enough about this decision already. So just jump off the cliff and do it. And so I did, and I don't regret it at all.
0: What inspired you to actually schedule the embryo transfer? Because it sounds like the big jumping off was the choosing the donor and creating the embryos, but then they were frozen for a while, right? Or did you do a fresh transfer right away?
1: I froze them right after my last retrieval. So everything was frozen. And then that's when my doctor was like, okay, like, do you want to schedule the transfer? And I was like, no, 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 (laughs) we've got time. You know, and it was during the pandemic, she made a comment to me, something like, you're 40 what's going to change to make you ready to do a transfer and thought about it for like about a week. And then I was like, it's COVID. I'm not doing anything else. Who knows how long this is going to go on for. I don't have time to really sit on this and wait. And what's the point at this stage of the game. So then I was like, let's do it. And a month later, we did it.
0: So So. it sounds like you had a story, (laughs) whether or not you truly believed it, or whether you like needed to believe it in order to take the next step. But it sounds like you kind of told yourself the first transfer is not going to work. Maybe as a means of like pushing yourself off yes. the cliff a little. Do you remember getting that positive pregnancy test, or like what was that like for you?
1: So I had the transfer, and that night I knew I was pregnant. Like the day of the transfer, I was oh like, wow, this totally worked. I just knew it at that moment. So I had planned. Once I knew I was doing the transfer, I was like, okay, I have to move to be with where my family are. So I was living in Seattle. My family is all in California. And so the, during the same week, I had the transfer, moved out of my apartment, and got a puppy. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> I was thinking. Oh my goodness. So I'm like moving furniture, and I had lived in the same place for. 15 years, you know, you accumulate all this stuff. It felt like really like I'm closing a chapter of my life and moving on to the next. There was a lot going on at that time. And so I was so busy. I knew the day of the transfer, I was like, I know this is going to work. Okay, here we go. You know, I'm just crazy busy, like working, moving, dealing with a puppy, like living in an Airbnb until, you know, I could get everything situated. And Then on the day ten, when they do the pregnancy test, you know, I go in and get my blood draw, and and then I just am going about my business, continuing to move and stuff, and then I get a call, and the nurse was like so peppy and excited, like she didn't even have to say anything. (laughs) She was like, "I have great news," and I was like, "Uh huh, okay." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> she was like yep it's positive positive. and I was like uh-huh I know <laughs> oh my gosh and so it was kind of a little bit of a mixed reaction because kind of new already but then also I was like what have I done <laughs> um... <laughs>
0: so you had moved out so I'm assuming like was your lease up or something or there was some like reason why the timing or
1: no so I didn't have a lease I just decided that I needed (laughs) to do a million things at once. So I actually like put all my stuff in storage and took my brand new puppy. And there's these islands that are North of Seattle called the San Juan Islands. And that's my favorite place in the world. So I took the puppy and we went up there for a month and I sat on this island, very freshly pregnant with my puppy and we hung out there for a month. And then my mom blew up there. And we got in the car and took everything and drove to California. And I've been in California since then.
0: Okay, wow. That sounds like a Hallmark movie or like a Nicholas Sparks book or something. Just the like being on an island (laughs) with a puppy, newly pregnant. Got this beautiful curly hair. I can just imagine it like blowing in the sea breeze.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we had this cute little cabin right on the water and we would just go on our walks. And yeah, it was definitely a time of reflection of like, okay, what have I gotten myself into here?
0: I hope that that is like such a (laughs) sweet memory. The realization I I have this all the time where pregnancy just felt like this kind of in-between stage where I was having a baby, but I didn't have a baby yet. But now sometimes like I had a, Uh a very familiar walking path that I would go the same route every time. And now sometimes when I walk that route with miles in the stroller, I'm like, Oh, we've done this a million times. Like, I remember doing this with you when you were just in my belly. And you know, so it's just, I, I'm glad you have that memory with your daughter, even though, you know, she was there, but not really there, but it'll be cool someday to take her back. And like, this is where we started. That's beautiful.
1: We went. I took her. Oh yeah! When she was three months old,
0: came up to Seattle, and
1: I took her up there. Of course, she's three months old, so she's not going to remember any of it. But it was cool.
0: Yeah. So you moved to California. Did you move in with family or near family? Once you settled, like after you left the island and went back to reality, what was your rest of your pregnancy? Yeah.
1: I moved in with my sister, and I'm still there. She has a big, huge piece of property up in the mountains. So she has two boys and her husband. And so I moved in there and have been there ever since. And it's crowded and (laughs) loud. There's kids, but it's really cool because Mira's getting to grow up with her cousins, at least for now. And my eight-year-old nephew like does his puppet show for her every morning while during breakfast.
0: Aww. It's really cute. And it's really yeah. nice just to be with them. Oh, I'm sure that's yeah. so good for your nephews too, so. to just have a baby around. I feel like kids learn so much from being around a baby. So I'm sure that's really like mutually beneficial yeah. and tough, I'm sure for everybody, but mutually beneficial as well. And one of the joys of motherhood for me has been seeing my sisters as aunts to my child. And so I have two sisters. One of them does not have children by choice. And the other one has two children. And it's just so sweet to see them interact with miles, because even the sister who has children, she's very different with her nephew than she is with her own kids. And I just love the way they spoil him and they think he's so cute. And it's just really fun. So I'm glad you're getting that time for however long it lasts to like be, you know, doing life with your sister right there. Cause that's, I mean, it's just special. I feel like for our kids, yeah, you know, they don't have both sides of the family. And so it can feel, even if we come from decent sized families, it can just feel like, you know, their families are relatively small in comparison to someone who has like two full branches on the family tree, right? Maybe they, what they lack in number <laughs> to kind of make up for in like closeness. So I love that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was like really helped me with dealing with that whole part of, you know, I was so adamant about having a sibling for her so that she could have that connection. And even though they are still half her DNA, they're my sister's kids, but Mm -hmm. she has the relationship of a sibling with them. Mm -hmm. So that's been pretty cool. Mm -hmm.
0: So how old is Mira now? She will be eight months next week. Oh, and she is so cute. Do you want to say anything else? Do you want to talk about the rest of your pregnancy or your birth or any of that?
1: Yeah. So my pregnancy was pretty smooth. I had one little hiccup in the middle where I had like a blood clot, but it was passed and everything was fine. So I was due June 3rd and they were going to induce me at 39 weeks as they plan to do with women of my age. And the day before the induction, I went into labor on my own she was just done she was ready to come out mm-hmm. so my water broke and i i went in and so i had an infection forming which we found out after the fact but she it was 3 hours of labor and 20 minutes of pushing she was like i am out of here yeah wow <laughs> so it was a crazy 3 hours as labor is she came right out and she was healthy and yeah it was pretty smooth i was pretty lucky you know you hear all kinds of stories about different people's experience with labor and I don't do well not knowing what's coming Uh my way (laughs) and so I was really in that day maybe I was like oh my gosh this is insane and then after the fact though when I look back on it I'm like oh three hours that's not that bad
0: good so then she was born and you're you're already living with your sister and her family right Mm -hmm. sounds like you had some good support there and then your mom also is really or your parents right are involved
1: Yeah, they're nearby. They live about 35 minutes from us. But they are very involved. My mom watches her a couple days a week. And, you know, my nephews are getting older, and they're very involved in their own lives now. So it's a new like generation of babies for my parents. Mm -hmm. And so she's really getting like, a lot of attention from them, which is fantastic.
0: Is Mira in childcare? Or what happens while you're working?
1: So my mom watches her on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then one of my best friends from like high school lives 15 minutes from us. And she watches her two days a week. And so I'm just working four days a week right now. They come to our home. So she doesn't have to leave the home, which is really nice. And it's also nice that I'm still breastfeeding. So if I need to come in and feed her, I can. But I also can like hide and stay away and try and get some work done. So yeah, it was really important to me to... Not have her in daycare until she's a little bit older, at least, just with COVID and everything that's going around mm-hmm. illness-wise. We already live with elementary-age children, and so we yeah. get all kinds of things coming through the door. So I want to try and protect her. While I love having her at home, I think I would be much more productive with my job if she uh-huh. wasn't <laughs> around. If she's sick, or the nanny is sick, or my mom's sick, then we have no childcare, especially during like this winter, the sick season, it's been really inconsistent.
0: It also expands your village. I didn't feel like I could ask my dad to help on a Friday night or a Saturday morning because he was helping all throughout the week when I was working. So it was really hard for me to get time where I wasn't working, but just having time to myself to like, go get a haircut or do yard work, you know, just things like that. And so spreading the Mm -hmm. village a little bit kind of means that like your friend from high school who's helping out or your mom, like you might feel more freedom to like ask for their help in other times.
1: Totally. I'm thinking about that already. A couple more months at least probably of keeping her home, but but we'll see what happens.
0: Well, I'm so happy for you and for Uh her that you have such a like clear support system of people that just love her. And it's probably such a gift for them to have a baby around. Like you said, like your sister's kids, that generation has already kind of passed the, I'm sure they're still adorable in their own way, but it's different. You know, big boy (laughs) adorableness is very different. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. What are some of the surprises of solo motherhood for you? Like what things are not what you expected, either positive or negative.
1: It's nothing like I expected.
0: (laughs) I would say because I
1: was like so caught up in the donor committing to it and is this the right thing to do and all of that, it's amazing to me how little I actually think about it now. The only Mm -hmm. time I think about it is I have connected with her half siblings and we have a really small group. There are three, she has three half brothers. And so that's really the only time I think about the donor now is like when I'm interacting with them. So, I mean, that whole like finding them and all the moms are amazing and we all have tons in common and that whole thing has been a huge surprise and blessing for both of us, I think. I mean, she doesn't know it yet, but just knowing that she has connection to that side of her DNA was such a huge relief for me. Honestly, I didn't really think about it. I knew we eventually would probably find them, but... I didn't realize how much of an effect it would have on kind of like a relief for me about all of my worries that had to do with choosing this path and using a donor. So that's been a huge surprise for me.
0: For me, it's (laughs) been very similar because I am in touch with my donor, which was unexpected, but I do think that those connections with the half siblings are maybe even more like I think about them more or they're more like in my day to day life. I think my son will probably be interested in them far earlier than he's interested in the donor himself just because they're kids and they will be into things that he's into, or he'll just have more of an interest there. So I agree with you. Like I'm super glad that that is part of our story. Cause I wasn't sure if I would even want to explore that, you know, before he was asking for it. And now I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't imagine not having those connections. So um, I'm glad to hear that you have it as well. And so that was one of your kind of, things that were surprising. What what else feels surprising about solo motherhood?
1: Honestly, I feel like she's still eight months old. And I know like as the toddler years come, it's going to change drastically, but it's not as hard as I thought it would be. She's a really good baby. So I have that going for me. I was really expecting to just have it be completely all encompassing, just take every drop of my energy. And it really hasn't been You know, of course, I haven't done a whole lot. I haven't seen friends or anything in a really long time, but she's such a good baby. You know, she's happy all the time and she goes through phases with sleeping well. But yeah, it's just hasn't been as difficult as I expected it to be. I definitely like, you know, have moments. I'm in Seattle right now visiting, working, doing some work and some friends We went out last night for a happy hour and, you know, they all have husbands. And so it was like really easy for them to like, oh yeah, I'm just going to leave. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to plan for it. Whereas even though I have my mom with me, I had to like get everything organized and plan everything out. And so I, I definitely like see those pieces they pop up periodically for me where it's like, it's very clear that, oh, you're doing this on your own and therefore it's a little bit harder. But I also like, I don't know any different. It feels like it's just not as hard as I expected it to be from just like parenting perspective. Yeah,
0: I'm always kind of cautious to say that, but I feel the same way that it's just like not as hard as I thought it was going to be. And I think to your point, I don't find myself comparing myself to other moms that have partners as much as like, sometimes I'm surprised to remember that they have partners. I'll have these moments where I'm like, wait, where are your kids? Oh yeah. You have someone else who lives in your house who can help. And and I think part of that is I'm so ingrained in the solo mom community. And a lot of my friends are solo moms. And so we're all kind of in that boat. And so it just sort of normalizes. None of us are going to yoga without making extensive plans ahead of time to like make it happen, but it just like, isn't as big a deal. I think COVID also kind of primed us for that because we were all staying at home all the time anyway. And I I love being at home with my son. Like Now that he's older, I do find that I think about the weekends kind of in four time chunks. So there's like Saturday before nap, Saturday after nap, Sunday before and Sunday after. (laughs) And I try to make sure at least two and maybe three of those, we have something out of the house, even if it's just walking to the park that's down the street, just because otherwise the messes, I mean, Mm -hmm. oh my God, the messes that he can make in just seconds just he's so he's so destructive and he's not a bad kid but I'm like how many squares of toilet paper can one person eat and like not be having a medical crisis like I don't I don't (laughs) or dog food or like so I find that like when we're out of the house it's just easier (laughs) so I need one of those chunks of time to like laundry and meal prep and what's nice about this stage is I can do those things with him Around and awake because he can kind of entertain himself. And, you know, we interact, and I'm still, he's still in the room, but I can actually get things done. I'm not having to wait until he's asleep to do the housework. So, when he does go to sleep without me, which is rare, I do feel like I can use it more to relax or do work that is like more brain work instead of the house chores that, you know, when it's early on, like where you are, it's hard because a lot of times your arms are busy, like you're holding them. And so, It's just hard to get stuff done. So it does
1: shift. She just started sitting like two weeks ago. And it's like such a game changer because Mm -hmm. I put her down on the ground with some toys, get a cup of coffee or something like that. Yes. Up until now, I just felt like I couldn't do anything. Yes. So I'm really like looking forward, even though crawling is a little bit terrifying and like she'll be able to get into things. I'm also really looking forward to it because she can instead of just sitting in one spot and like crying for me, she could actually just crawl over to me where Uh I'm at. And Uh I I don't have to like necessarily stop what I'm doing every five minutes. It's really fun too. I think like as they get older, the first couple months are rough for sure. But as they get older and start like gaining skills, it's so cool to watch.
0: Yeah. I think so many women understandably really focus on how challenging this path will be, but I really do think that just, The fact that you're creating a really cool human that you actually like enjoy hanging out with, I think it's like really underrated. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you to share a little bit about your experience with coaching and kind of how that supported you at that particular stage in your journey. Just maybe like anything that you remember from that time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I found the podcast, actually, I was up on the same one Islands by myself, I would go for these like weekend trips by myself to try to like sort through this process. And I found the podcast and just dove in deep with it. I like, I, think I binged the entire first season, while I was there in like two days or something. And then I had heard that you were doing coaching. And so I was like, 100% in like the second I heard you say it. You were the first single mom by choice that I'd ever interacted with. And that was a game changer for me. I think just normalizing it and like knowing somebody else was going through the same thing. I don't know that I would be where I'm at right now if I didn't have that experience. And just like making it real, you know, I think now I'm in contact with tons of single moms by choice. So it's totally normal and it's my world. But at that time, I really had no connection to anybody that was doing it. And so just that alone was huge. But then the coaching, I thought that the process was super helpful to me. You know, I've been in therapy for years, and I'm very much into like mindfulness and all of these other things. And knowing that your thoughts are, they're just words, and the meaning that you attach to them can change and be very different. And so that going through that process with somebody who had that same exact experience was uh-huh. so huge for me and so I think we, we had like five sessions or something and like by the end of it I just had a completely different perspective and felt like it was actually something that I could potentially do
0: uh-huh.
1: whereas before I was like here I am going down this path and I don't know if I can actually do it at all but just the process just normalized it so much for me. And I think that made a huge difference.
0: I am also a huge proponent of therapy and it is a very different thing than coaching. And I think one of the differences is that the kind of professional boundaries between a therapist and and a client, it's just different with coaching. And so like being able to share my personal stories and experiences, I think can be really helpful. Like you said, just in kind of normalizing, but also like your thoughts, And your hangups were so familiar to me because they were my own, like either ones that I had already kind of worked through, or even some of them things that I was still working through. And so to be able to not deny that, you know, there are donor conceived people out there who are really, really unhappy with the way that they were conceived. That is true. And also like, what else is true? What else is true is that we are already thinking about this before Our children are even in the womb necessarily, you know, and so we are not those parents that are going to hide this truth from our kids or be awkward about it or make it feel shameful. And so Mm -hmm. like, can we even really compare our kids to these kids that we're hearing from? And, you know, maybe it's not even the same thing. And so I think that like being able to almost process together, I'm very careful to like, I don't, I wouldn't coach on things. Like if I'm really stuck on something, then I have like no business coaching someone on it. But I do feel like there's uh-huh. kind of a spectrum for a lot of things where like, if I'm even just a little bit further along, or have some just alternative thoughts, I don't think one thought has to be wrong for another thought to be right or untrue for another thought to be true. Like, I think we have many true conflicting thoughts. And a lot of times it's just like, which one is going to be the most helpful? So like, yeah, it's true that there are a lot of issues in the world of like donor conceptions. That's true. We don't have to prove that it's not true in order to also focus on what kind of single mother by choice we're going to be and the type of parenting our kid is going to receive and know that they're not going to have some of the same issues that other kids might have just because we are their parents you know nothing nothing against those other parents but we just have information and we've gone through thought processes that those parents may not have so so it was really fun right, for right. me to work with you and i say all the time i mean even though i'm coaching lots and lots of women and making all of these connections I also have this need, I get this like fulfillment from just, oh my God, Liz is a badass and look at what she's doing with her career and she's so funny and she's, you know, all of these things and like, she's doing this too. So we must all be okay. Like we're all normal by making this choice. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just hearing other people that you had interviewed on the podcast and stuff like that too. It was like, oh, this is not, you know, my initial thoughts about like women who couldn't find a partner and like, I'm one of them and all of that it for just sure. was a, a huge eye opener.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So the last thing I wanted to ask you along those lines, it sounds like you got a lot from listening to other women's stories when you were still considering this. So as someone now who's further down the road, what thoughts or advice do you have for those who are listening, who might still be on the fence or not sure if this is something they can do or want to do, what would you say to them?
1: So much of it, you just have to like have your own experience with it and so like I would like to say don't worry it's great just do it but I know that a lot of people said that to me and I still had to have my own experience and get Mm -hmm. through it in my own way and so I think there's that I think it's just so unfair that as women we have this time clock that kind of forces the issue but as another voice saying, like, I spent two and a half plus years worrying and going through the motions of, is this the right thing? And now that I'm on the other side, I'm like, well, why was I so worried about it? And Mira is amazing. And it's nothing like I thought it would be. And so there's part of it that, yeah, you're, you're going to have to go through the motions and figure out how to get through whatever your, your hangups are with it. But also, like, if I can be another voice just to say, like, it really is the best decision. And there's so much about it. Even my friends who all have partners last night at happy hour, they're all like complaining about their husband. Oh, like, we have to discuss this big discussion about like, whether or not our daughter can go to a sleepover. I can just make that decision by myself. And so yes. like there's so many benefits to doing it on your own. Yes. And now that I'm here, it's, this is obviously how it was supposed to be for me. It's just so clear to me that this was exactly how it was supposed to happen. So yeah, I would say, you know, like be gentle with yourself. is really all you can do and just do what you need to do to process it. But it really is the best.
0: Yes, I fully, fully agree. I love the kind of mix of like, do what you got to do to process it, work through your hangouts and then jump off the cliff. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah. your story is really a mix of, I probably, of both, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yes. I, I think like almost all big decisions in my life have really been like a jump off the cliff, but lots of deep thought before that.
0: Yes. <laughs> I love that. Well, I love your story. Your daughter is absolutely precious, and you're just killing it as a solo mom, and you're such an inspiration. So I thank you so much for sharing your story. And if people want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch?
1: So um, I have an Instagram account, and it's Mira, M I R A underscore, May, M A E underscore, Mama. So Mira May Mama. And I'd love to connect with anybody who's interested, happy to chat with people reach out
0: yeah thank you so much so good to talk to you you too thank you for joining me for this episode of the single greatest choice podcast i'm your host katie b you can learn more about me this podcast and the single greatest choice coaching at my website www.singlegreatestchoice.com or find me on instagram at single underscore greatest underscore choice if you enjoyed today's episode please take a minute to rate and review in itunes that helps more women to find our show. Until next time, I'm sending you all of my love and support as you go about making the choices that will create a life you love.